How about you? Aren't you glad you heard the story of Jesus? And I hope and pray we're telling that story over and over. Appreciate it, Miss Cindy. I want to remind all of you, please now uh, sign up for the marriage retreat. Uh, it's uh, March the 7th and 8th, uh, Thursday and a Friday. And uh, Brother Mr. Mike Fox and his wife Valerie will be our speakers. And they'll be coming and joining us from the Temple Baptist Church up in Powell, Tennessee. And a, I mean a long time assistant there. He was there um, long before I got there. We got there in 96. So he, he's been there a long, long time. And so I know they're going to be a great blessing. So please sign up. I noticed we had several more sign up today. Remember, the cutoff on that is the 18th. The sheet back there, if you'll sign up on the front, um, that is you want a room at where we book the uh, reservations. And uh, the cost of all of that's back there. And then if you're going to reserve or to book your own room, you can sign on the back sheet. But go ahead and sign up if you plan on going either way, whether you're going to book your own or you do what the church. Uh, you know, we do that every year to make it available for our folks. And uh, we do get a discounted price. But I'm telling you, that last, that Friday evening really jumped up there. But I said that to someone the other day. They sent me a text. They said, what's the total? for the uh, hotel stay for the retreat. And I said, well, that last night's really jumped up. I said, it's a total of, and I gave him the total amount. I think for both nights, it's 204, somewhere in there. And uh, he immediately, he said, it's worth it. I like that. He said, I've spent a whole lot work. I've spent a whole lot more and not got as helped as much as I have there. I don't know about y'all, that helped me. I can tell that helped y'all too. I've done put y'all to sleep. How many of y'all spent more money than that on something that it ain't really helped you? For sure. So I think it's an investment when we do something like that. And by the way, we did raise the uh, registration to $20 a couple. And the pastors have been on me that for, for years. They said, you need to raise that, $10. And I said, well, I don't want to make it. I want to keep it affordable, so I'm, you know, unless we get in really bad, dire shape, dire straits, we're not going to change it up to 20. I want people to be able to come, so you sign up, all right? Would you open your uh, precious Bible tonight to the book of Psalm, the book of Psalm 37. This is one of my all-time favorite Psalms. If someone says, hey, I'm going to 37, I'm going with you. I want to go with you. Y'all feel that way? You want to go with me tonight, Psalm 37? Man, let me, let's just look at some of the mountain peaks of this psalm, all right? Let's, let's look at verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land. And verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Look at verse 7, rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, 
because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Here's another one now. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Look at verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Look at verse 12. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Uh, look at verse 20. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Look at verse 23, I love it. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Verse 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Look at verse 25. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Boy, there's some good stuff here, isn't there? Look at verse 37 now. No, no pun intended. Y'all read this one now. Mark the perfect man. That's my all-time favorite verse. Would y'all please help my wife to read that in context? Mark the perfect man and behold the upright for the end of that man is peace. But the transgression shall be, the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. Look at verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. I love this. Because they trust in him. Isn't there a lot of mountain peaks in this psalm? Good stuff. One of my favorite all-time psalms. If you're ever going to go there, take me with you. So I just want to go there tonight and I took you with me. Now we're going to look at the first few verses here, really just a couple. And I want to just basically focus in on some things. And again, all of you know the month of February here in our church is home improvement. And we try to emphasize a home, relationships, uh, children, the instruction that God gives us. I think it's so important it's being minimized today. But it's even more important today than I think that it ever has been in our history of human history. And so we're going to look at a few things. And I want to say spiritual healthy homes um, have experienced much labor, and commitment by those who make it up. Now, what I'm saying there is if you have a healthy spiritual home, it's because you've put a lot into it, uh, a lot of commitment, um, a lot of labor. It's a labor of love. And really, I want to emphasize and I really want to look at the need for the proper focus the proper focus within our homes, maybe within our family. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have a family. Well, you, you might live at home, but you have a family. You have relationships. And by the way, this same principle can be applied to your church family. 
Let me just say this. Every relationship has to have the same instructions in it. All of them might be a little different, but we find the instructions from God's Word. And if we're going to have successful, healthy relationships, no matter where they are, we've got to focus on them. I've said this many times. If you put a relationship in cruise control, you're already in trouble. So if we're going to have the right kind of homes, we're going to have to put a focus. Now let me just say this. Tragically, there are many families that have built their home and their family on the right foundations. And for a time, they are absolutely, they're continuing in that faith, they're encouraged in that faith, and, and, and they seem like they're putting in the necessary effort that needs to be done in that home to keep their home strong and stable. But sadly, over time, over time, Many of us and many times in churches like ours, good families, good people, what they do is they just simply lose their focus on their home. Now, sometimes it might not be intentional. It's just the, the cares of the world. It, it's the, the responsibility that you have. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's been a lot of good families that have just simply gotten uh, bombarded with the, the cares of the world and just doing life. And the next thing you know, man, listen to me, your home, your family, your relationships can get away from you quickly. Quickly. So I'm not saying that everyone has a bad, a relationship starts to go sour because it's intentional. It's not always intentional. Now, sometimes it is intentional. But I would say 90% of the time, if a relationship doesn't stay where it should, being healthy, it's just simply because we've lost focus. We've lost focus on what is necessary for that relationship to stay healthy. So I think we're going to find some principles here. And then we're going to find promises. By the way, there's conditional promises of God and there's unconditional promises of God. We find here in the Psalm 37, God gives us a lot of unconditional or conditional promises. What that means is God gives a lot of unconditional promises. In other words, that's his character. He gives a promise and there's nothing depending upon what we do. That promise is going to come true. But he gives conditional promises which they must be met if we want to see the promise then there must be a principle met it's like I look at it like this it's like playing ping pong or tennis now I love ping pong and I've learned though it's kind of tough to play a ping pong game unless you have somebody else hitting the ball and so that's what a conditional promise is a conditional promise is God says look I'll give you this if you will do this if you'll hit your ball I promise you I'll hit my ball that's what a conditional promise is. And so we find them here. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Now there's the principle. There's the, there's the condition. Are we trusting in the Lord and doing good? And notice what the Bible says. So shall thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. There's his promise. But if we're not trusting in the Lord and we're not doing good, then why in the world should we expect God to help us to dwell in the land and for him to fulfill his promise? It's conditional. If you notice in verse 4, the Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord. Notice that's the principle. If you're delighting yourself in the Lord, notice what he says. He will give thee the desires of thine heart. Now that's a beautiful thing. But that's a conditional promise. We must 
do our part. We've got to hit the ball. We've got to delight ourselves in the Lord. So I want to focus in on these principles tonight that I hope will be helpful. And really, we're probably not going to get past verse 3 and verse 4. I want you to look at verse 3 with me. Let's look at it now. Here's what the Bible says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, I want to do this in the, in the parameters or the focus of our home, our family. What are, we, what are we cultivating in our homes? What are we cultivating? What are we what are the principles that we're trying to put out in our homes for our families and for us? What are our goals? And so here the Bible says in verse 3, trust in the Lord. So here it is. Are you all ready? This is simple. It's dependence upon the Lord. Verse 3, dependence upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And then the Bible says to do good. Now, to maintain a healthy spiritual relationship or to maintain a, a healthy spiritual home in the Lord, we must never fail to realize we must depend upon Him. And I know you say, Pastor, we hear that all the time. But I want to emphasize it again tonight and let you know how very important it is. Rest in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. We are to depend upon the Lord. Now notice the word dwell. Trust in the Lord and do good so thou dwell in the land. Now I think that word dwell is inter very interesting. Here's what it means. To settle down, to abide, or it's this, to be established. To be established. Now, let's put that in the confines of the parameters of the home. How many people have an established house or a home? An established family. An established, I mean settled in. I'm talking about stable. I'm talking about dealing with the personal lives and the home. We're going to dwell in peace and contentment. We're going to must, we're going to have to depend upon the Lord. And that's something we have to focus on. Now, that's easy preaching. Depend upon the Lord. Depend upon the Lord. Yes, it is. But I want you to know something, maybe a little harder living. Depend on the Lord, but I'll tell you what makes it easier when he puts you in a place, that's all you have to do. What do you mean, preacher? Well, here's what I mean by that. You ever notice we don't like to have to be in a position that we, that we don't have any control over? We don't like that. So what do we do? We try to put ourselves in positions and places that we have a say-so or we have control over something. But I've learned in God developing people and how they depend upon the Lord, here's what they do. He puts you in positions that you have no control. Now, we don't like that. We get uncomfortable there. For instance, I've never forgotten this. In 2020, I was put on my back in the hospital. Couldn't move my right arm for several hours. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was sitting up there, and I had all of these emotions. I had all of these things going through in my mind. And even the doctor preached to me. He basically said to me, in doctor terms, he said, you said you was a pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, I think the problem with you is you're not practicing what you preach. I went, ouch. And there was a lot of things going on in our lives at that moment. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was trying to depend upon the Lord. But it's not something we're comfortable doing. Why? Because we want to do it. We want to take care of it. By the way, can I say to every parent, there comes time in your life that you can't do it. All you can do is trust in the Lord. You have to depend upon Him. And you've got to get you a promise from God's Word. And you've got to depend upon the Lord if you want to dwell in the land. 
if you want to be established, if you want to be settled down, if you want uh, to be to, to abide in Him, the key to that is trusting in Him, depending upon Him. So we see, let's look at this principle. Here's what the Bible says. It's twofold. Look at the verse. It says about dwelling. If we're going to dwell, two things has to take place. Number one, we have to trust in the Lord. Now that's simple. Twofold, simple, right, but it's harder to live. Now we have to understand this. He wants us to trust Him. So again, He will put us in positions that we must trust Him. It is impossible to please Him if we're not trusting Him. It's impossible. The Bible says that faith, it is only through faith in which we please Him. So if you're going to have a home that's interested in pleasing the Lord, then there's going to have to be some dependence there. I wonder, parents, what do you, what little challenges do you put in your children's life instead of you going and getting them for them and you doing it for them? How about you start allowing them to build a little bit of faith in God? Maybe you give them something small that they trust the Lord for and not provide everything for them or go and buy everything for them. Why don't you tell them to trust the Lord? And you'll be shocked how their faith can start to grow. How many of y'all remember that old, old movie where the red fern grows? One of the greatest classics in all of American history. I'm telling you, how many of you have not seen that movie? Would you raise your hand? You need to get saved. You need to watch the movie immediately where the red fern grows. And little old Billy, you know, he wanted them two coon hounds, them red bone cows, man, red bone hounds. Now, I've never been a coon hunter, never had any desire to chase after them coon hounds at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. But, man, there are some people. But, by the way, there needs to be some people that starts hunting them again because they're everywhere. But man, old Billy wanted them coon hounds. Man, he dreamed, he ate, he slept. I mean, he wanted them coon hounds. And I'll never forget, he went to old Pawpaw. And Pawpaw didn't say, well, I'll tell you what, boy, I, he didn't have the money. He didn't just say, well, I'll tell you what, he's crying and all upset. I'm going to go ahead and buy it for him. That's what we would do today. But you know what, old Pawpaw, he had some wisdom and said, you know what? He said, if you'll do your part, God will meet you halfway. And that old boy learned something. He learned to trust God, but he also learned how to work. There's something to that. There's something to that. And so I want to say, but what is it? Billy wanted them dogs. There's been a lot of things in life that I felt that I wanted and I needed at that moment. But you know what? God puts us in a place where we can just depend upon the Lord. And I've learned this. That's not a bad place to be. I feel like we get in a whole lot of trouble when we go ahead and run ahead of God and we go ahead and do it ourselves. I ain't going to depend on you, God. I'm going to do it myself. See, that, that, that's, that's a danger for a home. That's danger for children. It's danger for the family. We've got to trust in the Lord. Why? Because the Bible said we have to trust in the Lord if this promise is going to take place. Now, notice this. It said do good. I've never forgotten it. Brother Market preached that message years ago. I've never forgotten it. It's a, it's a life-changing, life-changing message, man. Do good. Just do good. Do good. Just do good. Do you know how our church would grow if everybody in here just finds somebody to do good to? You know how our church has grown in the past? When someone in this church just did something out of the, I mean out of the ordinary and out of the blue, just prompted by the Holy Spirit of God, and we've done good to other people. You know what? They'll come and say, man, I'm going to tell you right now, that church has been good to me. I tell you what, you want to you get some friends? Hey, do good. Who was it the other day? Somebody, I was talking to somebody. It might have been Rodney. 
But I thought about this. Man, I just moved here. I hadn't been here long, and y'all know how much I talked about hunting the first three weeks. My wife told me, she said, honey, because I, when y'all know when I came here and preached for the first time, I said, is there anybody that hunts in here? Not one hand raised. So when we left, Laura said, well, we ain't coming here. I said, well, baby, we're going to have to reach some. We've got to reach some hunters. And man, I'm going to be honest with you. I was just struggling with that thing. I was like, man, ain't nobody there going to re- I mean, these stories are going to mean nothing to those people. They're going to think I'm crazy using all these hunting. But you know what? All of a sudden, this man started coming to church. Never knew him. Never laid eyes on the guy. He just started coming. And I had no idea he was a deacon of another church. I had no And here's what he was. He was very cautious now. He came in. He was real quiet. Because hunters, before they're going to get somebody to go hunting with them, they need to make sure they know what they're talking about. So I realized what old brother Arville was doing. He came here for several months, and he just sat back there. He introduced himself to me. And after a while, when I think he realized that I was real, he come up to me one day, and he said, hey, and I would have never known it. He said, hey, I got, I got property. He said, I'd love to take you hunting one day. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And you know what? You know what? He did good to me, not just because he invited me. To go. You know, he became my friend. He became my friend. And to this day, he and our friends, he don't go to church here. I love him. I love his family. He's done good to me. I didn't do anything for him. He, he befriended me. He did good to me. And I want to say, if we want to dwell, if we want to be established, if we want to have the right kind of relationships, how about we just do good? Just do good. You know what would be a powerful thing this week is you, out of the ordinary this week, think of somebody just to do something good to for no reason other than this principle. Do good. Let's step it a little closer. How about in your home and in your realm of home life, how about you do something good for someone in your house? Just out of the ordinary. Just out of the ordinary, just out of the blue. And by the way, that don't mean you got to do a lot of money. I walk in my office a lot of times and I'll have little sticky notes there. Hey, the other day I know y'all might think this is silly and I, I want her to know, but I was sitting here in the office and I got to thinking about my wife. I said, what could I do? Just let her know I'm thinking of it. Man, I'm telling you what, snail mail is snail mail. So I just walked in there. I wrote her a note, a letter, and I just put it in the mailbox. <laughs> I done forgot I did it. It took so long for her to get it. So I go home. She's like, oh, honey. I was like, man, I forgot. That was a week ago. Now, I failed a thousand times. Y'all know I really messed up the other day. I drove right by Dunkin' Donuts. <sighs> and I didn't even stop. Do good. Do good. Why? Because you want to focus on your home. You want to focus on your relationships. You want to focus. You want to trust in the Lord and do good. See, do good. Good, the goodwill of God. The goodwill of God. Hey, have a good life. Hey, prosperous. We ought to do good for others. Let's do good. Now that's simple. Now that's the principles. That's the two conditions. Now, if we meet those conditions, notice what God says. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land. Now we know that this is referring to the real human beings of the Israelites dwelling in the promised land. I know that. But look at the application. 
The application is beautiful because here's, it's the same application for us. Dwell in the land. Think about it. This application is for us as well. Remember, dwell means to what? Settle down, to be established, to abide together. And so we want to have a healthy Christian home and we want to dwell, we want to be settled down, we want to abide, we want to be established. And so we want to be settled in our lives. What a promise. How many of y'all know what a peaceful home is? Now, the world is beating you up. Now, I, I don't work outside of the church anymore. I work through here. But to be fair, that, that takes me to a lot of places and a lot of different buildings. And I come in contact with a lot of people. But it is different than working an eight-hour shift in one place. And I've done that too. And you know, a lot of times, man, as a Christian, you're hearing the filth of the world all day. And you're hearing all, you know, someone was talking to me the other day. said, you know, I, I kind of even understand the people better now that I work with because they're, 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 his God's not the same. They, they're not trying to serve the Lord. So a lot of times, how many of y'all would agree, Christians get beat up in the society? Yeah. It's like we feel like we're the minority. And I'm going to be honest, I want to help every woman, mother here, wife here, just a moment. You ought to make your home a place of refuge and not a place of turmoil and just tearing it up all the time. A place of bickering and fighting and we're going to just be, you know, uh, just fussing about this and fighting about this and griping about this. No, I believe what this Bible verse is telling us, it will be established. It, it, it's one where we can abide. We can dwell there. So we know that what, what is the promise? If we will do good and trust the Lord, he'll give us Stability. Stability. Number two, the promise, not only he gives us stability, but notice what else he said. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shall thou dwell. There it is, you dwell. Then notice this, and verily thou shalt be fed. You know what? He'll not only give you stability if we will do good and trust in the Lord, depend upon him. Here's what else he said. He'll strengthen us. Shall be fed. He'll meet the needs of his people. When we trust in him and we do good. He provides stability, but he also provides strength. And I, I'm just going to tell y'all, y'all know this as well as I do. Have y'all ever seen Christians fall out? They fizz out. They give up. They get tired. They just give up on the Lord. And man, people that used to be faithful, man, you can't find them anymore. You know what's happened? I'm going to tell you what. They've gotten beat down. They've gotten beat down. And by the way, life hurts. Life hurts. People hurt. People will hurt you. You'll deal with the darkness of days. You'll deal with the storms of life. And if we're not careful, if we're not getting our strength from Him, we don't have it. We don't have it. And I, I want y'all to look at me. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. And you know what? I've learned that in the last couple of years. I don't have it. You say, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm claiming his strength. 
I'm dependent upon Him. And I'm gonna t- I told you all this last week. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm hanging on to every little promise He's given me. Because I'm going to be honest with you. In these last couple years, I'm going to be honest with you, my feelings ain't always lined up with my faith. They certainly have not. But I want to tell you something. <laughs> He'll strengthen us. And then I, we'll just touch on four and I'm going to close. But I want you to notice, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. <laughs> now that's not, a, that's not a promise for health and wealth. I tell you right now, I'm delighting in the Lord. He ought to be giving me a million bucks. That's out of context. There's a principle here. It says delight. Here it is. To take exquisite delight and to make merry over. Are you all making much of him? I tell you what, Pastor, have you seen how high the gas is? Do you know how good Jesus is? I tell you right now, there's just things about my church I'm not crazy about. Oh, I know that, but have you talked to any lately about how good Jesus is? Look, I know how it works. I get it. I'm not saying it was bad, but there were times I've sat around the dinner table and I've, I've seen the preacher and everything going on in that church on rotisserie mode. I've seen it. I've heard it. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're doing that here, you're doing your children great injustice. Because there will be a day that they will need somebody else other than you in their life and they will have no clue who to go to because you tore them all down. Now hear me. I say that out of love. I say it out of love. Because I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm certainly not the perfect pastor. I can promise you that. But I'm going to tell you something right now. We ought to be making more about Jesus than all of the failures in our church. And by the way, I wanted to say sometimes when I've been at that dinner table and I thought, man, y'all are giving this poor man down the road. He's not even here to defend himself. And here's what's amazing. I thought, what if he could speak? I'm sure the people who was at that table, they weren't the Apostle Paul themselves. That's why I don't like social media. Someone said something the other day, and all they were doing was running down a church, and I got interested because I thought, well, that's awful funny. I've noticed this. Normally, churches don't kick people out of church unless there's been something that's gone on to make them get kicked out. But here's what's amazing. You don't ever hear what they did. You only hear what the people did. You know what? What about Jesus? Delight yourself in Jesus. Dad, delight yourself in Jesus. Here's the word to, to take exquisite delight and to make merry over. Are you merry over Jesus Christ that he saved you from your sin? You say, Pastor, what would you like? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't mind having uh, 200 acres of hunting property. I wouldn't mind having a bass boat. Now looky here. I don't need it. So I could sit around and I say, I don't understand all these people that don't serve God and they don't even love the Lord and man, they get to go and hunt all this property. And man, if I sit around, but you know 
You know what takes care of all this? Man, look at me. I got Jesus. I need to make merry over Jesus. How many of y'all are saved? When's the last time you told somebody at work about it? By the way, when has your children heard the last time your, that your testimony? When's the last time? Or listen, and by the way, boy, if y'all want to get to know us, come to our home. Speak to my grandchildren. Talk to my children. Say, what's these people about? Now, by the way, we're human. But I want to tell you something right now. I know this. We have tried in our life and we failed. But I'm telling you right now, we know he's it. We need to make much of him. The principles delight thyself in the Lord to make merry over. And to be honest, a lot of families aren't delighting in the Lord anymore. They're just not. They're just not. They find everything. By the way, you don't have to look far. There's all kinds of things that can be improved. There's things that aren't right in society. But rise above that and listen, delight yourself in the Lord. You say, well, I didn't get a raise. All right, delight yourself in the Lord. You say, well, things aren't going on at work. Like, okay, but delight yourself in the Lord. Well, I didn't get to do that like I want. Hey, delight yourself in the Lord. We need to delight in the Lord. Why? Because the Bible says he'll give us the desires of our heart. And here's what's beautiful about that. It's not that he's going to give us everything we want. Here's what it is. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, his desires become our desires. His desires become our desires, and so we can, when we delight in the Lord, it's amazing our desires change, and they're like Jesus's. Hey, you give us the desires of our heart. Isn't that beautiful? How many of y'all would like for your children to have the desires of their heart? Brother, you hit on it. There right now in Chattanooga, there's probably more, but I know of five churches without a pastor. And yes, Mr. Eastridge, come and talk. Now, I'm going to talk to some of these older men. These men, I was going to talk to them and just see maybe what we could do to help with a church up on the mountain. I thought maybe we could be a help to them. Maybe we could help. But I'm not going to do that without these men that might would be willing to help. And I'm praying about it. But I'm thinking, here, here's my question. Dear Lord, where's all the men to pick from? I know mom and dad, and you can't call a preacher, but I've wondered how long has it been since a mom and a dad has just prayed for the will of God. Do you know back during the Civil War times, you know what mamas was praying for their boys to do? This is amazing. They were praying that God would make a preacher out of them. Now, that's God's business, but it sure would be just encouraging to hear mamas start praying like that again. Sure would be encouraging. Now look, mama, you can't call them. Daddy can't call them. That's God's business. But I'm going to tell you right now, it, I'm wondering why years and years ago, I mean years ago, there was more young men surrendering to the call to preach. I'm just wondering, is it because the pulpits have gotten colder? Maybe. Are we praying, therefore the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers? But I'll tell you all right now, I heard a message this evening and I made my wife listen to it. I didn't make her, but we sat and listened to it. That guy got up and preached, and I'm going to tell you all right now, 
it made me want to do it. And he said when he was lost, he said, man, I went to church that morning. And he said, I didn't know anything. He said, I only went there because my wife wanted me to go. He said, I went back there and sat in the back of the church. And he said, about that time, he said, there was a young man there that was a pastor of the church. He was an interim See, he was a young man, and he said, he, and I get this. I, I can see it, and God help us that I get like that again. But he said, that guy was like a bird dog pointing on that mic. He was wanting the song service to hurry up and get over. He was wanting them to get out of his way. And he said, man, he only wanted to get to that microphone. And he said, as soon as all that service got done in the song service, he said, he ran up there to that pulpit, and he said, take your Bible." And he said, I sat back here and I heard that guy preach and he was so delighting in the Lord. He was so excited. He said, I couldn't help but want to do it myself. He said he was having himself a time. And here's where we are today. Are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Well, how's your church? Well, you know, we got a pretty good pastor. Here you go, y'all ready? Billy Goat, but how about we just delight in the Lord? Can I give everybody homework tonight? How about every man in this church building tonight? How about you get in your car and when you start your vehicle up and you start driving around? around? Some of you are going to have to hurry because you don't have long to drive. Won't you start just testifying? about how good God's been to you. And you know what might happen? What might happen in the whole car, everybody might get to testifying. Because see, I'm going to tell you right now, when you start delighting in the Lord, that stuff's kind of contagious. But I'm going to tell you right now, griping's contagious too. And be a fault finder and finding everything to nitpick to, that's, that, listen to me. Tragically, that's, contagious too but how about we delight in the Lord how many of y'all love the Lord tonight how many of you know he saved you and you don't even deserve to be saved this is delight in the Lord amen he give us the desires of our heart and all God's people said let's stand to our feet delight thyself in the Lord head bowed and eyes closed now look it's not a novelty this is one week removed from what we officially call home improvement month and I want to say to every family here tonight there's a whole lot worse things you can do for your family and your children than delighting in the Lord I hope and pray to God that every family you will start delighting yourself in the Lord you just sit back and watch the effects that will have on your home. You sit back and watch the effects that will have on your children. And I ask God to help us. Could I ask this as we close tonight? How many of you just on the eve, you know, we're on the eve of home improvement. By the way, I want to tell you something. You know as well as I do, the devil would love to destroy your home. He'd love to destroy mine. Could we maybe just come and battle in prayer tonight and let's just pray and say, God, would you help me 
to really put an emphasis in my home and help to put a hedge of protection around our home and our church. And Lord, I pray you'll help me to delight thyself in the Lord. Now this is on the, the, the precipice of our home improvement. But could we get it started out with prayer? They're going to play something softly. And maybe you dads, you lead. Grab your wife. Grab her by the hand. Bring her up here. Bring your children. Let's pray. Let's ask God to truly ask. I'm going to ask my wife if she would to come up here with me. And I'm going to ask all of you that would follow suit. Let's get serious about this thing. And even if it's just delighting ourselves in the Lord, let's...